So, Brian, you were on our show uh, less than two weeks ago. And at that point, you were, you know, like, how do you even describe what happened to you in retrospect? I was memeified. Why do you care about Royce O'Neal? Why does that matter? Why would the Jazz do that? Why would they do that? What's going on in Utah? What's going on? And that's what people in the league are watching right now. Okay. What's going on in Utah? Okay. Are, are you bummed that you're no longer like the number one meme in America right now? I feel like you've been like displaced by Elon Musk shirtless on a yacht. I think I'm still in the top five. Thank you very much. <laughs> when it comes to memes, a legend never dies. <laughs> The life cycle of a meme can be brutal. Just ask that guy at a skateboard who was drinking cranberry juice and listening to Fleetwood Mac. But I do think our friend Brian is right about his particular legend, because the image of him pointing with both index fingers, eyes gazing towards the heavens, towards our grand cosmic mystery, is just waiting right now. Waiting to be deployed the second the next great NBA conspiracy takes shape. So today, Ryan Winors tells us what is currently going on behind the scenes with LeBron James, a player he's covered more closely than anybody else. And he tells us what the rest of this strange summer is going to look like for Kevin Durant and the rest of the NBA. I'm Pablo Torre. It is Thursday, July 21st. This is ESPN Daily. Brian, I see you as ESPN Daily's human decoder ring, basically, for NBA drama. I see you as a person who is uniquely plugged into the league's balance of power. I see you as a person who can distinguish gossip from actual information. So how would you describe the current state of the union? How would you describe what you and actual NBA executives are monitoring right now? Yeah, so we have two players who are on the trade block. Um in some form, one by trade request in Kevin Durant, one because his team is rebuilding in Donovan Mitchell. Both players are available for trade. That is um, a, a very is unusual to have all-stars this available together at the same time. And both have four years left on their contracts. And so as a result, the price deemed by their teams for these players is out outrageous and it is complicated by the fact that you know two three weeks ago the utah jazz got an unfathomable and sort of out of pocket haul for the other star who was traded this summer rudy gobert yeah and like our country is experiencing right now we have this inflation this inflationary situation with the trades of superstars right the other thing, Pablo, that has happened is Russell Westbrook and his agent, Thad Fauche, he is a veteran agent, and he, it was a Friday news dump, but he broke up with Russell Westbrook by releasing a statement to Adrian Wojnarowski. And in this statement, he basically says that he has advised Russ to stay with the Lakers and accept the role that they are offering him and that he and Russ have 
irreconcilable differences after 14 years and hundreds of millions of dollars in contracts. And so this statement, this long statement in which Thad Fauché is saying, I can't work with this guy anymore. What does it tell you about what's actually going on in Los Angeles? It tells me a couple of things. It tells me that Russell is not necessarily willing to accept the role that Darvin Ham has very publicly been explaining to Laker fans that he wants him to play, which is that he wants him to be, he, he, he does want him to be the starting point guard. He doesn't want him to lose the starting job, but he wants him to be basically a role player. Russ is known for, you know, his, his huge competitive spirit. You know, not only will he be leading the charge, pushing the brake, but screening and rolling. He wants him to set screens for LeBron James. And to be clear, Russell Westbrook played 78 games last season and set 57 screens. <laughs> so if you're the new coach of the Lakers, Darvin Ham, and you say, I need you to do these things for LeBron James, the problem, Brian, that you've just indicated is that Russell Westbrook has not been keen on doing those things like screen setting for the real number one superstar. Zach Lowe, my colleague, went a little deeper on that screen. Is it in the second game of last season? Russ set eight screens for LeBron to win one game. So he basically set about 20% of his screens for the year in the first <laughs> week of the season. And then he didn't set multiple screens in a game until March. It's like when you're feeding your kid a new food and they're like, okay, I'll try it. And then they never eat it again. Right. Um, and so he's also said he wants him to be a corner three-point shooter. He's going to have a chance to sprint out to the corner, flatten the defense, get corner threes, as well as the things that he already does well in terms of getting the ball and pushing the pace and pushing the tempo. They shot 45% on corner threes, but the point is, that's not what he does. If he focused on it, could do it not so badly, but, you know, it's not what he does. And he wants them to be an aggressive defender. In fact, Darvin Ham has gone to so far as describing that he sat down with Russ at a dinner and showed him highlights. Like, I have a film put together of him just being a pit bull on defense in pick and rolls against DHOs, you know, chasing guys off thin downs, you know, guarding screeners, guarding in the post. Look, here's some really good defensive plays from you last year. This is what we want you to do. And last year, Russ had his worst individual defensive rating of his career. Mm. Maybe it was since his rookie year. So... Well, they're really asking Russ to, to kind of twist into a pretzel. And, you know, what Thad is basically saying is, Russ, you should try to do that. Yeah, the pretzel, the pretzel, Brian, you're describing is real, real salty at the moment. <laughs> well done. <laughs> you know, there was this phone call between Anthony Davis, LeBron, and Russ last week where they sort of, from what I am told, they agreed that, look, they don't have control over what's going to happen, so let's make the best of it. But again, within days of that phone call, his agent and he break up and, you know, when I think... Oh, wait, so, so, yeah. so this is so just to be clear, because Chris Haynes had reported this on Yahoo, that there was this call that I had not heard about before. But what you're clarifying here is that that call preceded Russell Westbrook's agent breaking up with him, indicating that Russell Westbrook did not exactly buy the message of, hey, we're going to stick together here, that that meeting sort of implied. It is my belief that the sequence of events was... Russ and LeBron attend a summer league game 
and treat each other like they are at odds. Everybody in the building who's associated with the Lakers comes up to see LeBron, except for Russ. Yep, they sat on opposite ends of the floor, which was chronicled by everybody, basically. Russ left after halftime and attended no more Laker games in Vegas. <laughs> it's my understanding the sequence of events was Russ and LeBron are at the game and don't uh, speak. Then there's the phone call where they try to get on the same page, clear the air, et cetera. Then Russ and, and his agent, and you know, or Russ's agent announces that they've broken up. And it is worth mentioning why it is specifically that Russell Westbrook might logically feel like this sort of detente that LeBron and Anthony Davis have proposed may not be also something that they have their hearts fully into because the specter of Kyrie Irving here, Brian, just how obvious is that? The idea that LeBron wants him, that LeBron would prefer him over Russell Westbrook. And where does that bring us today? Yeah, I think there's some nuance that needs to be explained here. It's not that LeBron wakes up every day and says, my God, I've got to have Kyrie on my team. <laughs> I think what the Lakers and LeBron see is that there's a window to acquire a player like Kyrie Irving that exists. While that fit is not perfect, while Kyrie himself is far from perfect, mm -hmm. the potential ceiling that, you know, Kyrie is a ceiling raiser. I think also everybody within the Lakers organization is now singed because nobody wants their fingerprints on the Westbrook deal from last year. No, Brian, it's that whole aphorism about how success has many fathers, but failure is an orphan. And LeBron had been seen as the father, the main driver of the Westbrook trade in the first place. So now I think the situation is that LeBron doesn't want to be seen as demanding or heavily, even heavily influencing such a major move. I think he's basically saying, I will play under the circumstances that the Lakers put forward and we will do our best. But of course, he wants to improve the roster. Right. But I think he wants to stay back from having a transaction pinned on him. Mm. And the reason that that is a little bit more complicated than a year ago is that coming up in a short period of time here, he has a choice on a contract extension with the Lakers. And therefore, whether he wants to publicly wield power or not, he has some level of influence, potentially, on how the Lakers proceed. Up next, if LeBron James could really leave L.A. to go home again. Again. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live.
So in terms of that power, Brian, that LeBron James has in L.A., there is a date coming up in August that I want to circle here with you because it feels like this date is going to determine whether all of this drama with the Lakers is going to go nuclear or not. So beginning August 4th, LeBron can extend his contract for up to two years in excess of $90 million. I think almost $100 million. Mm. And so... Um, he doesn't have a deadline on that extension, Pablo. He, in, he in theory, could extend up until June 30th, 2023. So there isn't a, like, oh my gosh, if he doesn't sign by a certain moment that he is sending a message, he doesn't want to be there anymore. That window is now wide open for a long period of time. However, you know, typically players of this, you know, level, when they can sign extensions, they have been signing them. And so... There's a lot of reasons why LeBron wouldn't sign a contract extension. For example, the Lakers are potentially in position next summer to have an enormous amount of salary cap space. And by LeBron not extending, he leaves open the possibility that he could alter his salary a little bit to make more space. This is what James Harden is doing this year with the Philadelphia 76ers. It's what Chris Paul did last year with the Suns, right. veteran players who have made a lot of money are willing to take a pay cut to potentially have their team use that money elsewhere on the roster, and then maybe they can get more years tacked on the back end. Like That could be a strategy that LeBron ends up electing to employ. But unless he comes out and articulates that, if he lets the season start without an extension, there's an implicit message that he doesn't, want to be with the Lakers or isn't sure. So it's a dicey situation. So this is obviously something he's been giving thought to. The Lakers have to give thought to it. But the fact that they have Westbrook sitting there and there's a possibility of a Kyrie trade, I mean, the Lakers and Nets have spoken. They have exchanged bids for these players, but really are have no traction as of right now on a deal. And the third party here is LeBron's contract extension mm. that potentially complicates at least the public viewpoint of it. Because of the Westbrook and Kyrie thing hanging out there and the Lakers, to this point, reluctance to go all in on an offer for Kyrie Irving to get the Nets interested, it's definitely something we have to keep our eye on. And so what LeBron is reckoning with now is that the guy that he wanted, Russell Westbrook, is now a guy that his team would need to pay someone else to take, right? Like, that's the thing now, is that to get rid of his contract, it's not only that you want Kyrie, it's that you're going to need to give something up above and beyond that because that's the sort of asset that Russell Westbrook is right now. And, you know, that's not unreasonable. The problem is that they're they're in hawk already for Anthony Davis. They're paying off the Anthony Davis trade which, you know, I thought they probably paid a pretty heavy premium for him when they did it, but I've removed any sort of negative feelings about that because they won a championship. So, yeah, you know, they have Anthony Davis. He's under long-term contract, and I know the last couple of seasons have not been what they wanted out of him, but he's delivered them. There's a banner hanging there. There's a star on the court that those guys won together. But the reason that the, that trading away Westbrook is so hurtful is that the Anthony Davis trade cost plus the Westbrook trade cost has hollowed out their bank as it were. Mm. And so now, you know, they're looking ahead to 2027, 2029 and thinking about further mortgaging the future 
Right, when those first-round picks would come would be in the 27, 29 years. LeBron is going to be long gone. <laughs> and, you know, LeBron is turning 38 right. in December, and LeBron's like, I'm, I'm trying to win this year. And the Lakers' Jeannie Buss is like, I know, but, you know, I'm going to own the team in 2029, and I, I'm a little bit worried about that year, too. And so um, there's just this inherent tension there with LeBron also not trying to come off to the whole world as the general manager. But of course, LeBron wants to compete now. He doesn't care about the Lakers in 2029. No, he doesn't. And if he wants to win a title now, by the way, that is his prerogative. He sees a championship window, albeit a crack right now. He wants to widen it. I get it. But it seems like God, Brian, I, I, are you already mentally prepared for the news cycle that happens when LeBron James is not signed to this extension? And hey, you know who might want LeBron James? Maybe, just maybe, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Well, that's the thing. The Cavs have positioned themselves in such a way that they could have big cap space next summer. Now, they have a free agent, uh, Colin Sexton, a um, restricted free agent who is sort of the last biggish name on the market who hasn't been signed. If he signs a lucrative contract um, that potentially would go on to the Cavs' books for next year, that would limit their options in trying to chase a free agent like LeBron. Um, but if he doesn't, if he ends up taking a one-year contract, the Cavs have all the options on the table for next year. And I do think it bears, you know, at least pointing out that Colin Sexton's agent is Rich Paul, LeBron's <laughs> agent. Of course he is. <laughs> As is Darius Garland's agent, right? Their young star guard. And they have Darius Garland and now Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. They have like young pieces that LeBron could help turn into a contender in all of these ways. I don't sense that LeBron wants to leave the Lakers. But I would be remiss to not point out that the Cavs have positioned themselves to have huge salary cap space next summer mm. when LeBron could potentially be a free agent and they have this growing young team. In fact, the team that they have right now is more potent than the team that they had that he returned to in 2014. <laughs> I just can't, right? I just, I mean, are you just so numb, man? Are you just so numb to your life covering LeBron James <laughs> and your life covering the Cavs that the idea that you can go home again, again, that this is just something that you just, yeah, you get it. It's like, this is not, because this is like, to me, just unbelievably funny. You know, people have talked to me in the last couple of weeks, obviously, about, you know, my quote unquote prediction that the Jazz were going to tear their team apart. I had knowledge that they were about to trade Gobert. It wasn't a prediction. It was speaking from a position of knowledge. While I appreciate the kindness that came with people's reaction there, with all due respect, that wasn't in the top 10 things I've sort of foreseen and called in my career. <laughs> I love this. The greatest... In your face, internet. Show respect. Yeah. If I may be so... <laughs> If I, if you know, if you'll just indulge me, Brian, we are here, if nothing else, than to indulge you. In 2012, I kind of said LeBron's gonna go back to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. That's right. For which I was 
vilified in Miami. <laughs> vilified you, in Miami. You, you, I mean, you, I know you wanted to leave Miami for various reasons, but that feels like that's also sort of in the top 10 list of like how that became unsustainable for you personally. Well, and in, in, in the Heat fans' defense, the Heat went on to win titles after that. But I, again doing my job and reading the room and having conversations, I felt that he was going to go back. I felt that's what he was going to do. And I mean, I felt that and said it two years out <laughs> to me. That's my, you know, I mean, like I know that he ultimately, that's your Babe Ruth pointing to the stands moment. Yes. Well, I know that like ultimately he gave the interview to Lee Jenkins and that was a great story, mm-hmm. but I was like, at Sports Illustrated, yes, yes. Yes. I told you two years ago. You know, so... <laughs> um, but that's all to say that I don't feel that right now. I don't... I, mm. I do feel that it's on the table, but I don't feel that LeBron wants to leave L.A. or is drawn to go back home one more time. So just to be extra triple clear then, Brian, LeBron James does not want to be seen as the shadow general manager of the Los Angeles Lakers. Right. But he is very happy to be in the shadows generating leverage that would help his general manager make a certain decision. I don't think he has to generate the leverage. I think the leverage just exists. After the break how Kevin Durant is trying to wield leverage of his own and leaving even the people who tend to know things incredibly confused. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Anejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. So the notion of how to generate leverage, Brian, when you are under contract, we are testing this in ways that the NBA has never tested it before, right? Donovan Mitchell has four years left on his deal. He is potentially going to be moved out of Utah. But the gold standard here right now in the present tense is still Kevin Durant, who has four years left on his contract. And he wanted to go to Phoenix is what everybody has seemingly agreed but now where are we in terms of where he may be going as Kyrie is concerned, as, as the Nets are concerned? Yeah, so we just, we have a fundamental problem, and that is that 
the teams that want to trade for Kevin Durant just cannot afford to pay the price for him. So I have compared it to if you really, really badly want this Lamborghini, because that's what Durant is. He's a Lamborghini. But to get the Lambo, you got to sell your house. (laughs) You get the Lambo, but now you don't even have a place to park it. Now the Lambo doesn't make any sense. And so that's what's happening. Teams like Miami, teams like Toronto, teams like Phoenix, they're like, we just can't pay the price you're asking because if on the other side of this, we have Kevin Durant and nothing else, where have we gone? Because if you're Phoenix, you can't tear apart a 64-win team and on the other side have Kevin Durant but have a worse team. And so the price is so high that nobody's willing to pay it. It's not that people don't think Kevin Durant is worth it. It's just the market won't allow it. If something is so expensive that nobody can afford it, how much value does it actually have? Right. There is a lot of cutting off your nose to spite your face kind of stuff that these teams are grappling with, Brian. So, yeah. So from Phoenix's perspective, they get this offer sheet that lands on their doorstep for DeAndre Ayton last week. And they know that matching this offer sheet diminishes their chances of getting Durant. It loads their salaries with more money, which he is now not tradable for a year uh, without his consent. And he may not want to get traded. And it just, it just makes everything harder. But they had to match it because they don't feel like they're right now anywhere close to a Durant trade. And they had to make the decision then. Because the Indiana Pacers had made this offer sheet offer That's right. to DeAndre Aiden that you would describe as, as what, Brian? Basically, Indiana was saying, I wonder if they think that they can get Durant and so they won't match this. So let's just see. <laughs> and Phoenix was like, look, we're going to keep this guy because we don't know whether we can get Durant. And so that action showed just how zero traction that they had on Durant. But Brian, is that, if you're Kevin Durant, right? Again, this is the toughest part of this because the thing we have least visibility into is Kevin Durant's brain. But if you're Kevin Durant and that is what you're being told by the Nets that, look, man, you're just too good. Like, we're not getting anything close to fair value for you. How does that land with you, do you think? That's the big, I would say it's the biggest unknown in the NBA right now. We don't know, and from my understanding, the Nets don't 100% know why Kevin asked for a trade. They have guesses, they have conjecture, but they still don't know. He has not, from what I am told, he has not cleanly articulated why he wanted a trade. Mm. And as far as I know, as you and I are talking here, Pablo, Kevin has not articulated his feelings on the idea that they can't trade him and that he has to stay. Now, There is some precedent here. 2007, the summer of 2007, Kobe Bryant says the words on national television, or at least to national reporters, uh, you know, on on the record. I have played my last game in a Laker uniform. Yep. Are you saying right here on this show that you want to be traded? Yeah, I I would like to be traded, yeah. Tough as it is to come to that conclusion. There's no other alternative, you know. And in that situation, Kobe had a no-trade clause in his contract. They obviously want to move in a different direction in terms of, you know, rebuilding. I wish they would have, you know, told me that, um, you know, prior to me resigning with the team. 
And the Lakers couldn't find a trade that Kobe would say yes to. They talked to a, a number of teams. They talked to the Chicago Bulls. It was well known. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't a trade that Kobe would say, yeah, I will go play on the other side of this. And so the Lakers had this conundrum. They said to him, Kobe, you're too expensive and y- y- we can't do it. So we'll see you in September. And Kobe relented, showed up, played more games in the Laker uniform. They ended up making a trade at midseason to acquire Paul Gasol, and they ended up in the next three finals. So that's that's a best-case scenario right. for the Nets, obviously. That's what the Nets are leaning on because the Nets have added some nice pieces to their team. Their team is better than they were a year ago if Durant and Kyrie return. My feel at the beginning of all of this is that the, the Nets couldn't stomach another season where Kyrie Irving was behaving in the way that he did. And the concept that Kyrie could change, I felt was unlikely and not assumable. But if there's no Kyrie Irving trade to be made and there's no Kevin Durant trade to be made, returning to them could be out of the cards that the Nets are holding in their hand. It may not be the most flowery option, but it may be the best option available and they may try to sell that. And it may work just like it did with Kobe 15 years ago. Considering the scenarios, his best option for winning a championship may be staying on the nets. That may be the best team that he would end up on yes. after what it would take to trade for him. But because we don't exactly know why Kevin asked for the trade, we don't know whether the issue is rectifiable or has been rectified. I've been trying to gossip with everybody I know who tends to have good gossip and everybody finds themselves staring at a brick wall when it comes to, yeah, like, is this a thing where Kevin Durant would sit out games? Is this a thing where Kevin Durant, if he does not get the trade that he wants, would make a mess for this team? That's Because that, to me, Brian, to go back to the question of how do you generate leverage, that's the leverage, isn't it? It's the leverage of the nightmare of keeping me is going to be so much worse than you're going to want it to be. Yeah, and last summer when he came to Tokyo, I was in Tokyo and he played for Team USA and was the absolute hero of that team. Carried Team USA to the gold medal. And of course, I asked him, Kevin, why are you here? (laughs) Um, you are coming off of, you know, you're coming off of an Achilles. You've won gold medals. I remember the exact word. He goes, I love to hoop. He just wanted to play. So if you're asking me, do I see it in the Kevin Durant that I know's constitution that he could not play? I, I don't see that the Kevin Durant and I'm not his best friend, but the Kevin Durant that I know and have covered would not do that. But I also know I don't have clarity. I don't have clarity on, on on why he's making that decision. Yeah. And now, Brian, something you said before that I find also very funny does affect the timeline here, right? Which is that the NBA is going on vacation. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that that was just a thing in the way that you said it. So am I. <laughs> Thank you very much. But what does that mean? Basically, like, now is the time when people take some weeks off and it's just sort of like, okay, finally, we can go on airplane mode here. Or like, yeah. tell me about what the NBA decides and how it decides, like, okay, let's actually have an off season, please. Well, ever since the beginning of the bubble, 
the NBA hasn't had a quote-unquote proper offseason. This is the first time since 2019 where there's been a quote proper summer and the leagues are about to take advantage of it. Like summer league has ended. The executives left Vegas to go to vacation. (laughs) Our people at ESPN, God bless us, are going on vacation. The league is now going to be in shutdown mode until September. There's no traction on a Kyrie Irving trade. There is no traction on a Kevin Durant trade. There is no traction on a Donovan Mitchell trade. While Russell Westbrook's intentions are a little hazy at this moment, there, as far as I'm aware, there is no traction on any sort of Russell Westbrook trade. I think that we could be having the same podcast the day after Labor Day, Pablo. Wow. Wow. Brian, thank you, as always, for telling us what is actually going on in this sport. Or what's not going on. (laughs) Touche. I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk to you tomorrow.